0: podcast is also brought to you by Sports Recruiting USA, the world's leading U.S. college soccer recruiting experts. If you're interested in learning more, visit www.sportsrecruitingusa.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Nebraska Soccer Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Cleary. Today's episode will be the introduction of two new segments, as well as an interview with Jeremy Tesaya. Jeremy is the Director of Coaching for Nebraska State Soccer, and he's also the Director of Coaching Education for Gretna Elite Academy. He gives us an update on ODP and Nebraska State soccer. Our first new segment is the Recruiting Roundup, where we highlight the past week's commitments from local players. The past two weeks, we've had five Nebraska players announce their commitments to local and regional universities. First, goalkeeper Noah Fuelberth from Lincoln Southwest and GEA has committed to Division I Northern Illinois. Next up, defender Alyssa Judkins from Burke High School and Sporting Omaha is staying home with her commitment to Division I Creighton University. Defender Chloe Jeroz from Papio South and GEA has committed to NCAA Division II program, Upper Iowa University. Next up, midfielder Patrick Long from Gretna High School and Sporting Omaha will stay close to home committing to the NAIA team, Midland University in Fremont, Nebraska. And last but not least, Midfielder Caleb Vos from Scott Catholic High School and Sporting Omaha will join the Division III program out of Lincoln, Nebraska, nebraska Wesleyan. We'd like to take this time to congratulate Noah, Alyssa, Chloe, Patrick, Caleb, and their families and coaches on their successful commitments, and we look forward to watching your journey through college soccer. Please be sure to tag us in all commitments so that we may include them in our recruiting roundup segment. And now, interview with Jeremy Tissaia. So, you have Nebraska ODP tonight, but uh, can you kind of give us an update on what's going on um, in the world of Nebraska ODP on the youth side of things?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a good program uh, for the state. I've been, you know, uh, involved kind of on the fringes a little bit just in the last few years when I was coaching college soccer, helping out with tryouts or helping out with sessions. and. You know, kind of the person that really kind of kept it going from the transitions from Marin to Matt, you know, was Mitch. Mitch was kind of there for all of those transitions and helped in, in all those aspects, um, you know, with the transitions from each of those guys. So a lot of kudos to to Mitch and Matt and, and Marin for kind of getting that program uh, just kind of to where it is now. And and so, yeah, I mean, this year it was a bit of a chaotic Um process not just even because of COVID but you know usually tryouts are in beginning of August and I wasn't hired until the end of August as the DOC and so um, definitely had to play a lot of catch-up and so we had to push our tryouts to November uh, but was I, I had no idea what to expect with COVID and you know would people come out and so I was thinking man if we hit 300 it's a massive success and we had over 470 kids try out, um, That's awesome. which was very close to what Mitch had last year. Um, and yeah, and we, we had we've been able to play uh, in the Kansas city event. We've been able to get all of our trainings in, um, you know, I probably jinked myself for tonight's trainings, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been very positive and we've, and we were able to get, uh, it, it was probably a very, um, uh, beneficial thing for us that college soccer was pretty much canceled for the fall. So we had a lot of the D1 coaches come out and help run sessions. A lot of the local colleges came out. Um, junior college coaches have been involved. And so and our, our staff has been very good. And I've been very impressed, you know. So uh, kudos to the guys that were running it before because I think that kind of was part of the reason why people were still engaged and wanted to be involved. And And so now the future, I mean, we're just trying to make it a program that benefits the kids. Uh, ultimately, that's what we want, you know. Uh, so hopefully uh, we're, we're achieving that
0: yeah that's I mean that was going to be my follow-up question everything was the what the participate participation numbers were and that that's great participation it's always good to see especially mm-hmm. given the circumstances of, like you said not just COVID, but the hiring and pushing tryouts and everything like that mm-hmm. um, you know having been involved with Dakota ODP both of us being involved with Dakota ODP, I know participation was such a big factor of it, Um, but I always enjoyed the state camps piece of that.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. How
0: did the Kansas city event go for the, for the Dakota, Are the Nebraska ODP teams?
1: Yeah, Nebraska, the kids did very good. I mean, um, considering we had, you know, only one training weekend um, as state teams or state pools, um, Kansas went very well. Our teams did, did very well and competed and, Uh, We were able to take full rosters for every single age group, uh, which was, was great. Um, uh, And so I think the, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, going through this year, just kind of know what we'd like to do different next year. Um, And I think, you know, having more time next year. So next year we want the the Trouts to be in July, give us the fall to kind of scout the fall league um, and, you know, work with the clubs to make sure that we're getting, Um, the best kids to come out and represent the state Um, but also the thing is too you know I want each of the each of the stages each of the phases of our our program to be beneficial to the kids that are in that phase whether that's their uh, last phase or whether that's just the next you know the next step for them Um, so I want the selection camp to be a great event where they get benefit Um, college coaches come out run sessions for them they get to experience different training different coaching know and then if they make the state pool i want that to be a great experience for them where they get coaching from our state coaches in a unique environment where they're playing with kids from all different parts of the state and i think we definitely had that this year and then same thing with the kids that make the state team you know and they're pushing to be recognized for the regional level and it's the same thing at that so whatever phase that they make it to at our state level i want that stage to be beneficial to their development and for them to get something to come out of that and to kind of walk away and say wow I learned this about myself uh, because of that. And I think Kansas city was the same thing for us. We learned some things about ourselves and how we would like to maybe do some things different next year. Um, But I think the coaches were very impressed with how the kids responded. And I think uh, it was was just a good, good experience for us overall.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. And that was the thing that I always uh, preached when um, I was up coaching club in North Dakota and people would ask me, is is odp worth it and i always said yes because even at the dakota odp level like we brought in college coaches as well and we wanted to provide a good experience with good development and it's awesome to see that you're doing that in the nebraska odp program as well and that that's just really exciting for kids all around the state and their families and parents as well um what does the future look like for the ODP program as a whole, not just in the state, but kind of the country? I know that, you know, years and years ago, ODP used to be kind of that true pathway to the higher level teams. I don't know if that's still the case um, because of all the, the crazy changes in club soccer. But if you could kind of uh, speak to that uh, for both myself and the listeners.
1: Yeah, I think it's obviously changing a little bit right now because of the, the shift from U.S. soccer with the Development Academy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now that they've eliminated the Development Academy, um, there, it, I think there's definitely a lot of question marks. And so it's definitely an always changing um, uh, culture and uh, always changing uh, pathway to the national teams. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where U.S. soccer starts sending their scouts. Um, I can say, though, that I think U.S. youth is definitely, even before the, the federation decided to drop the development academy, uh, U.S. youth soccer was taking steps to make ODP more relevant and to be uh, more beneficial to the kids. And, and so part of that was our partnership with MLS. And so now it actually even makes more sense because now – the MLS next Academy or, you know, the league that kind of took over for the development Academy. Um, it is the true Academy now of the professional teams uh, yep. in the, in the U S. And so now our partnership with them uh, includes having our kids participating in the generation Adidas events and being scouted by the MLS uh, scouts. And uh, it's kind of an integration then of the regional and national teams for US youth with MLS uh, academies. And so, and then the other thing is, you know, so the um, US youth also is developing a partnership with the Girls Academy, which kind of took over the, the space that was vacated by the Development Academy for the girls side, right? Yep. And so, um, as we're preparing for the Memphis Interregional, uh, there's gonna be US soccer scouts for the youth national teams down there, there's gonna be scouts from the MLS. Uh, there's some scouts from Girls Academy, um, not to mention the college uh, coaches and everything. Right. So it's definitely an evolving situation. We're, we're still not entirely sure, you know, what that pathway is going to look like. I think it's going to take a couple of years to see which of these leagues that are popping up kind of survives and starts taking some dominance. And um, you know, I just found out about another one just a week ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, and I don't know what all those are or where what they mean or, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think it's, it's definitely something that I think ODP definitely has a place in the, in the, the pathway, especially for a state like Nebraska. I, I would right? say, I, Where, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think states like the Dakotas, um, states like Nebraska, um, Iowa,
0: Wyoming. Montana.
1: Yeah. Wyoming. And yeah, there's, there's so many states, and especially now that we have that partnership with MLS, we can work with the states like Kansas Um, that have MLS teams like Minnesota that have MLS teams um, because now our kids have a pathway into that, that process. And honestly, that's, you know, when you're talking about ODP back in the days, we didn't have professional soccer when ODP really started taking dominance. You know, the MLS wasn't around uh, when ODP really came to the forefront in 1985. So now it makes sense. Okay. ODP should be that pathway to pro and then pro is your pathway to the national teams.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like, so that that's a really cool evolution to what is happening. And like you said, there's obviously some things in flux and things that'll change, but I'm kind of happy to see that ODP because there was, I was concerned a couple like a year or two, three years ago that ODP was going to kind of go away. So it's kind of nice to see that it's evolving and that there is some very unique opportunities again not just for development and a good experience but also for the opportunity to to potentially you know be that player that gets to break through to that next level um because I do think there are players in every state that could do it um so that's 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 really cool um shifting gears a little bit um what's does your role look like on the coaching education side of things for the state? Um, Mm -hmm. when, when I was up in North Dakota and I worked with Dave cook, um, we used to do, he used to kind of rope me in to do some coaching education, things kind of out outside of the major cities. Um, but also inside the cities with the rec program. So I, what does, what does coaching education look like in the state of Nebraska right now?
1: Yeah, obviously, we're, we're trying to figure that out, uh, yeah. especially with COVID, right? <laughs> so, yeah,
0: yeah, that, I'm obviously throwing a wrench into any yeah. any, any in-person plans that we want to make.
1: Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I, and and I think, you know, you guys up in North Dakota, it was very similar to when I was the technical director for South Dakota. Our situation was similar as far as, yep. you know, we, the formal education pathway was really for an elite few in the clubs, because yep. most of the clubs were volunteer parent coaches. And the idea of giving up, you know, two weekends plus the development time between those two weekends for a D license plus the cost of that D license for a volunteer parent just didn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Right, right. Um, And so, I think definitely in a state like Nebraska, we, we need formal education and this is definitely Omaha and Lincoln. Uh, we have some really strong clubs where we have professionalized coaching and staffs that need, um, that pathway for the Federation licensing and also, uh, formal courses like, uh, United soccer coaches, uh, diplomas. And so, you know, even from day one, from stepping into the state, you know, Marin asked me to be involved with coaching education. I love coaching education. I have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think my, the biggest way to impact kids is to impact the coaches, right? You got to change the environment that kids are playing in. If you want, if you want those environments to improve and if you want the kids to have a better experience. And so I, I definitely have a passion for coaching education. I think it's something that is, paramount to the development of the sport in a state like Nebraska's. So, yeah, so we have some exciting stuff coming up. Um, You know, I don't want to steal Crystal's thunder. Uh, She's going to be releasing some stuff here this next week. Okay. It's going to be uh, free education, open path education where it's not going to be, you have to have prerequisites and stuff like that to participate. Um, It is going to be virtual for the time being. Right. Um, But you know, we have some exciting stuff coming up. I think for the state, we already have, um, some people from outside the state and also people inside the state. I mean, that's the thing too. Nebraska has got some great soccer minds. Uh, and we have people with some great experience. And I feel like if we can find a platform for those people to kind of come together, I think would be great. You know, and I will say, we're going to start doing, um, kind of a a coaches, uh, Nebraska coaches chat where just a virtual thing where we bring in kind of, you know, kind of stole the idea from, uh, United soccer coaches, when they used to do the coaches and coffee, um, yes. yeah, once, yep. you know, once a week. And so we're going to kind of steal that idea and just once a month kind of have an open forum where coaches can log in, um, hear from uh, a guest speaker. So, uh, you know, our, our first one is going to be in February and we're going to be talking about inclusion, especially kind of going into the spring season. And so, uh, you know, we've got the, when the number Nebraska women's in soccer. So Monica is going to kind of lead that one for us. They're going to be the hosts for it and ha- and kind of start that conversation. And then we open it up and just kind of have a QA and a and share. Because I think that's the biggest thing for me, right? All the coaching courses I ever took and the licenses that I took, one of the things that I love the best was what happened outside the classroom what happened yep. off the field. That's how my C license <laughs> was. <laughs> right, exactly. And so can we create that conversation, that collaboration Um, You know, it's the same thing when I do when I do coaching education nights at Gretna, I would prefer coaches sitting around a table having a conversation sharing their ideas, as opposed to me standing at the front of the room telling them how to do it right. Right. Um, Because my knowledge is so limited, um, not to mention because I was a scrub soccer player to begin with. But (laughs) my knowledge is limited. (laughs) So let's share ideas because you have something to offer. I have something to offer. Everybody has something to offer. So let's share ideas and let's get better together. Right.
0: Yeah, that. And I I was just going to say the my two favorite experiences of coaching education were my, my C license was great and it was fun. I was the youngest person in my C license. So I ended up having to play in every session. I think this was before they had players uh, or this wasn't one of the ones that they had players available all the time. So I was 23. So I played in every session. Um, Thankfully I was in better shape than I am now. Um, But it was more fun. uh, The most fun and the most I thought educational was the conversations I had with my classmates and my instructors outside of the actual sessions. And then, yeah, for sure. um, I didn't get my first convention. I actually have only gone to one convention. Um, but I went to Chicago, uh, two years ago, I think it mm-hmm. was. And man, I, I can't wait Kansas city. I think next year, I'm just
1: up next year. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm so excited. I just, that is, uh, what it's a, such a fun time. Not just this. I love going to the sessions, but just, seeing all my coaching friends and meeting new coaching connections and friends is just, it's just awesome. And you get to learn so much. I took so much away from Chicago. I still go back and look at my notes two years later and, and go over stuff that I learned. So, um, but that's exciting about Nebraska coaching education. Um, and uh, hopefully we can circle back with, with uh, members of, uh, you know, the Nebraska soccer association and 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 learn more about those things as they come out um and then uh again i guess the last thing or last couple things is what kind of is your role at Gretna Elite Academy as like director of coaching education um like how like what do you provide specifically to the club um or what kind of role do you serve in that
1: area Yeah, um, the director of education just kind of supporting the directors. You know, so we have uh, a director for the ECNL, we have a director for the boys, and then Mitch is our director of coaching. Uh, We have directors of the academy as well. So it's just kind of supporting the directors in helping uh, the coaches. So kind of lately, the format we've been taking has been kind of laying, uh, opening the conversation with just some general ideas that are probably good for us all to be thinking about. So this past one, it was about uh setting up our training sessions different methodologies for training how to connect with the kids um, based on the skill set of the coach and also what the kids need and then we broke out into groups based on the the coaching that the directors uh, thought was best for for their either their area or their age groups right so we had the academy coaches break off and kind of talk about okay so when we're talking about the little kids in the academy how how is coaching methodology what does that really look like right and then um, had the girls um, break off and talk about kind of their style of play and what what type of methodologies would be ideal for them. And then we had the boys break off and talk about the same thing for them. So I think it's it's really coaching education in my mind is at a club level. It's reinforcing the game model that you're trying to develop. It's reinforcing the culture. Um, it's holding coaches accountable as well. Um, you know, and uh, you know both of the roles. Um, that I've had at clubs here in Nebraska. It's been, uh, trying to kind of reinforce the, the system, the culture, the game model that we're trying to establish as a club.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And then I guess off of that a little bit, um, what you, you have worn so many hats uh, as a coach. Um, I'm, I'm almost kind of jealous because I thought I'd, been around like coaching at three different NCAA levels, but you, you've done it, you've done it all. Um, what has been, um, is, is, is the youth level kind of where you, what you enjoy the most or do you miss the college game? Um, kind of like what, where are you at now with, with that in terms of the coaching side of it?
1: Um, yeah, I, that's a tough question to answer. Um, yeah. I I just, I love the game, right? And yeah. I, I feel like, um, so I, I don't know if you know this, but I grew up in four different countries uh, before the age of 17. I didn't and know so, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've been to over 40 countries and and people always ask me the same thing about traveling. Like, what's your favorite place? <laughs> and I kind of, my response has always been man, each place is just so unique and so different. There's a positive thing about each of them that I've really enjoyed. And there's definitely some things that I haven't enjoyed as much. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I I really can't say that one trumps the other, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I love, you know, I've coached men's and women's at the college level. Um, I've coached competitive U23 teams in the summers. Um, You know, I've coached the youth. Um, I will say probably the most challenging team I've ever had to coach was my son's U4 bumblebees at Elkhorn. <laughs> um, that was the longest six weeks of my entire coaching career. Um, and, but uh, but definitely one of the most enjoyable. Yep. Um, but again, I think uh, every, every level has presented challenges. There's been great moments. Um, you know, this past year I've been coaching uh, U14 girls team um, and we're uh, – we're the gold team and, and we're kind of the third tier down and um, man, it's been when we saw them develop and grow and start seeing the ideas that we are working on come to fruition on the field. Uh, it was fantastic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, it that's, helped, that's my favorite part about coaching. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, and, and at the college level, I will say part of the the thing I love about the college level is seeing uh, the guys achieve things in their lives after college. Right. So I got a text message last year from a guy that got a head high school job and he texts me out of the blue. It's been a while. Um, and, and, we had our, our moments of contention when he played for me in college. And, but, you know, <laughs> for him to say, Hey, I, you know, I got into coaching. Uh, I just got this head coaching job. I just want to let you know, because you were such a huge impact on me wanting to do this. Um, you know, and not even just the people that got into coaching. I had a kid that got a red card uh, for confronting a referee and we had to suspend him. additionally uh, just because it was so egregious and he's a referee now in the game. (laughs) Um, And, you know, so it's just, it's things like that, right. Um, For me, especially having coached over 20 years now at at all these different levels. Um, So again, I, I, I love, how sports is a platform to make an impact but you have to be intentional about making that impact you can't just let it happen right um and so regardless of which level we have to be intentional about how are we using this to make a positive impact on these kids and in coaching education how am i using these courses and these platforms of educating coaches how am i being intentional about being a positive impact on the coaches which hopefully then is a positive impact on the culture that they're creating for their kids. Um, So I know I didn't answer your question, but. uh, No,
0: but you gave me, you gave me an even better answer and a better message that uh, I think is going to be really good going forward. And, and that's been, that's been kind of my goal. That's kind of my goal with this podcast is to get good messages out to the Nebraska soccer community, but also like you had mentioned earlier when we were talking that Nebraska has some great soccer minds um and Nebraska has some great soccer ties I was when I initially sat down to make a list of individuals I wanted to interview um I started realizing how many collegiate and club coaches around not just in Nebraska but just in the surrounding states and in the country have some sort of ties to Nebraska whether they coached college here or grew up here and my list became bigger and bigger every day that I sat down to make it um and I really just think that that I was worried initially when I thought about this idea, but now I'm not worried. I I don't think I'll be able to get to everyone that I want to interview. So, um, but, but yeah, that was a great message. And I I don't really want to, you don't have to answer the question exactly as long as it's good answers like that. (laughs) So the the last thing before I let you go, because I know you have to get to your son's basketball game. Um, The one thing, obviously you and I coached in the Dakotas, different Dakotas, but the other thing that you and I have in common is we both spent time at in Wayne, America, at, at Wayne State College. Um, and yeah. you're a Wayne State College grad as, and a former Wayne State College coach. Um, what was, uh, what, and, and I know the program's come a long way since you were there, both in facilities available um, and the schools. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, are, what's, uh, what are your memories like of, of, of Wayne and Wayne State College?
1: uh can't say anything bad about Wayne I met my wife there um so it was definitely a, a positive thing uh I ended up being the grad assistant for the women's program kind of on a mistake um <laughs> I couldn't get into the jobs I could like I applied for jobs and I I couldn't get the jobs uh, after grad after undergrad mm-hmm. and I had been a volunteer assistant with the women's team um and so the head coach kind of came and said hey you 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 have no idea what you're doing next year. The other GA just graduated. Why don't you just stick around and get a free degree? Um, and so I started coaching college and never looked back. Right. So
0: yep.
1: um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. The When I was there, the track was condemned. They couldn't host any events on the track. The <laughs> underneath the football stadium was condemned. Like they, it was just used as storage. Yep. Um, the varsity weight room, we called it the cage because it, literally had like fencing around the rehab area and it was in the basement of the gym and it was like just kind of dark and but but you know what i mean some great experiences there uh raleigh Bullock was the head coach um when I, when i first started as the grad assistant um and then uh, Oliver 12 trees took over uh for my second season uh so I it was a, a student assistant for a year and then a grad assistant for two years and so yeah, I, I mean, I can't I can't say anything bad about it. And Raleigh took me to my first um, uh, NSCAA back then convention when it was good. in Kansas City in 2003, uh, and fell in love with coaching education. He's the one that kind of gave me a passion for. Hey, you need to go get educated if you're going to do this because just because you played soccer before does not mean that you can be a good coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's it's getting the skill of teaching, and yeah. so uh, a lot of um, Uh, I owe a lot to Raleigh for kind of putting me on that pathway because he took me and and helped me get my first state diploma and uh, goalkeeper level one diploma and level two diploma so
0: yeah Raleigh was a Raleigh was a small part of my coaching education too I took a, a when I when I was a student at Minnesota State Moorhead when he was the coach that's when I first met him and I took a coaching soccer class from him that he designed to be a lot like the D license but we got to watch soccer on old VHS tapes and yeah. he would talk to me about soccer outside of class and I still keep in touch with him every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So that was a cool connection. And uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, yeah. And a very sure. knowledgeable coach. So I, I, again, yeah, nice little conne- soccer world is small, uh, is especially in the mid- especially in the Midwest. So, yeah. um, but well, Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time. You gave us a lot of good information about nebraska odp odp in general and and the importance of coaching education and what nebraska and what you are um doing for it and the role that you play in that and i'm really excited to see what 2021 brings and 2022 and 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 how we continue to develop soccer in the state of nebraska because i think it's a it's a really cool i think it's 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 boiling right now and it's ready to i think it's really ready to take off even more so than it already has so
1: no, I'm excited for this. You know, I, I think you guys were around when we kind of had it up in the Dakotas, but you know, we had this thing called soccer 605. Um, yes. I was up in South Dakota and man, it was such a great thing for the state. Um, it brought the state together. It gave us a platform. Um, so when I saw you guys were starting this up, that's the first thing that kind of came that, to my mind was that's where I got the idea that from.
0: That's where I got <laughs> the, That's where I got the idea from. I thought that was yeah. so cool and I wish they were still doing it. And Chase and I um, Chase was my student assistant at Wayne State College and we had mm-hmm. talked about how badly the state needed, you know, this to cover not just high school soccer more in depth but also do the little stories of of club and college and 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 everything and make sure that we represent everybody, you know, whether it's it's a uh, someone out in North Platte or someone in Omaha on the men's side, women's side, boys side, girls side, you know, we want to we want to make sure we're shining lights and on everyone and and doing coverage of everything so we're looking forward to doing that and and i'm glad that i was able to have you on and and appreciate the support as well
1: yeah absolutely yeah, anything you guys need from me please let me know we'd love to see this grow and yep. give the the kids and the the game you know a bigger uh bigger platform in the state so
0: awesome well thanks again jeremy yeah, thanks joe <laughs> Thank you to the Nebraska State Soccer Director of Coaching, Jeremy Tissaia, for coming on. We are going to have Jeremy or someone else from Nebraska State Soccer back on the podcast again in a couple weeks to give us another ODP update and promote some coaching education that they are going to be doing. Check the episode description for a link to the Nebraska State Soccer website. Our second new segment is called Scores and Schedules. As we hit the month of February, our local college soccer programs are beginning their seasons. Once we get into March, the boys' and girls' high school seasons will also be beginning. We want to keep you updated as best as we can. This week, UNO Women's Soccer traveled to St. Joseph, Missouri to play against NCAA Division II side Missouri Western in an exhibition. UNO had six players from the state of Nebraska in the starting lineup. Maddie Smith started in goal, with Grace Thede in defense. UNO's midfield was almost entirely homegrown, with Alyssa Hansen, Grace Ostergaard, and Reagan Zimmer starting. Nebraskans didn't just make an appearance in the lineup, they also made an impact. Zimmers found the back of the net, while Ostergaard and Grace Crockett tallied assists. UNO were forced 4-0 winners on the day, but after 456 days since the program's last game, I'm sure the team, head coach Tim Walters, and the rest of the coaching staff were just happy to be competing again. Both the UNO men and women are in action this next week. The men host Drake on February 3rd, and the women host University of South Dakota on the 5th. Both games are exhibition games. The Creighton women won't open up their season until the 18th when they travel to Kansas City to play Missouri State in a neutral site game. The Creighton men travel to Marquette for a game on the 20th. The Huskers women's soccer program will open up their season on the 20th as well when they travel to Minneapolis to play the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Once March rolls around, everybody gets into action. Wayne State College, University of Nebraska Kearney, Nebraska Wesleyan, The state's junior colleges all begin play along with the boys and girls high school teams. The NAIA programs in our state played part of their season this fall and will continue with their postseason conference tournaments and national tournament this spring. If you're a soccer fan, there are going to be plenty of games to watch and we look forward to helping keep you updated. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends and family. Stay tuned for next week. We got some big guests and I'm really excited. This podcast is also brought to you by Sports Recruiting USA, the world's leading U.S. college soccer recruiting experts. If you're interested in learning more, visit www.sportsrecruitingusa.com.